Welcome to On the Side with Jackie London, a BS-free podcast where we're talking all things food, nutrition, and wellness to help you build healthier habits that stick. As a registered dietitian, author, journalist, and former clinician turned content creator, I've heard and seen it all. Join me each week as I debunk diet myths, explore the latest wellness trends, and answer all of your pressing listener questions. Plus, we'll hear from a guest who will kick off each interview weekly with a soup-to-nuts rundown and, okay, sometimes analysis of what they're eating, cooking, ordering in, or where they're dining out with tons of delicious ideas, lots of laughs, and plenty of pro tips in between. The one thing I can actually guarantee, I'll serve up tangible, actionable strategies to help you apply the science behind what works to what works best for you. at you listeners. You're just getting out your sneaks, getting your earbuds in, getting ready to listen to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London and Kelly Springer today. So Kelly is an amazing registered dietitian. She is a bundle of joy. I just felt like truly seen and heard by this whole conversation. I loved every second of it, and I think you're going to love it too. Kelly's the former division dietitian at Wegmans Food Markets. She was a clinical dietitian at Auburn Hospital, where she was working in bariatrics, in critical care, nutrition support. And she started her own company in 2012, Kelly's Choice, with a vision to empower people to invest in their own health and wellness in order to live their best lives. That's straight from her bio. And let me tell you, that's a great sentence. And Kelly's Choice is now a a functioning, comprehensive nutrition and health company. She's offering private nutrition counseling, workplace wellness, educational webinars, media, and brand partnerships. And her company's grown exponentially since inception. She is really a hustler. I mean, I've got to say, I really felt like a true kindred spirit in in talking to Kelly, and I it, this conversation just gave me so much life. We talked about what the actual patient care experience is like working with different populations. We also get into what it's like to start your own business. Kelly started her business when her two daughters were both really little, and she was in the middle of a divorce. So, I mean, she's truly a, a badass, if I do say so myself. Um, we also get into what it's like to say no to various opportunities. What does that mean for for us? And and what does it mean for dietitians? And how to kind of start practicing from a place of more abundance. I mean, that sounds really woo-woo of me. It's really not me to say that, but but whatever. The point is that we're we're really anti-scarcity. We're here for abundance. And I'm here for you, listeners. I can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. I think you're going to love it. Lots of great stuff in here. As always, if you have any guest ideas, if you have any questions that you want answered, please DM me at Jacqueline London RD on Instagram, or you can email me, Jacqueline at JacquelineLondonRD.com. Anyway, enjoy this episode. I think you're going to love it. And I can't wait to hear your feedback. All right, let's go for it. But first, let's get to a quick listener question. In lieu of an actual listener question this week, I just wanted to address a topic that definitely comes up a lot around the holidays, and I'm recording this in advance of a holiday weekend. I know it's Easter and Passover, and by the time you guys are hearing this, it will be post, but I think this applies to everyone anywhere, no matter what is going on in your current life. And that is this idea of making food-related decisions that are perhaps at the expense of yourself only because of the circumstance that you're in. So let me give you a couple of examples, right? Like let's say you are dating someone new or you are on a trip with a group of friends or you are traveling with your family or it's a holiday that you're celebrating with your family and maybe it's your in-laws or maybe it's your family of origin or maybe it's just a larger group or you're returning to the office. There's so many different ways we can slice this. But what I want all of us, myself totally included in this, because I feel like this is sort of like the lifelong journey, am I right? Is to consider what food choices are actually ours and which ones aren't. And I, the reason why I think it's important and, and the way that this came up 
was in working individually for nutrition counseling for weight loss with a client who was telling some meal-related stories as we were kind of digging into her history and her background and what her personal goals actually are when it comes to feeling and living a little bit healthier for where she is right now. It, it really came up that so many of the meals, snacks, the foods that she was describing eating most often really didn't seem to be much of her choice, right? Like it wasn't something that she would just decide to have. And I think this is such a hard thing to learn for so many of us. And it's such a hard skill to learn is to be able to discern for ourselves without the let's say value, the the perceived value, because food doesn't have value. But as far as like the perception of value, what is quote unquote good versus quote unquote bad, right? I think that without that, you know, in some ways that, that almost gives us a guide, right? Like if we know that something's good or bad, we can at least say I'm being good today or I'm being bad today. But actually it's a lot harder to figure out what types of foods you personally really enjoy eating. And I, I challenge all of us to really take that into the spring and summer with us of thinking a little bit more about that. I know it's that time of year where like there's lots of group trips, there's lots of people looking to travel and often that's not done alone, right? Like it's done with other people. So stay on your own side is really my my main piece of advice here because it can be so challenging to figure out what decisions are yours in the moment. But if you have a sense or you start to cultivate a sense of what decisions are actually yours to make, what are you in the mood to eat? What are the flavors, the different types of herbs and spices? What are the things that you, the cuisines that you really, really enjoy eating? And what are the dishes that you enjoy eating from those cuisines, right? I think starting from that spot and just even just, you don't have to do anything with this more than just consider it or think about it or think about how you would frame your week if every decision was just up to you. But bringing that sensibility, that just general sense of awareness into the next few weeks, I think could help so many of us start practicing the routine of making food choices that really feel like They're both fueling us, but are also really delicious, really nourishing, and really something that we absolutely enjoy. You know, over time, we all know by now that better health and well-being cannot be made or broken by one meal or snack. You guys have heard me talk about this so much on this podcast already. But in, in, in light of that, I think we need to pay a little bit more attention to what our actual preferences really are. Because given that there is no value and there is no value judgment ascribed to food, then forget good or bad, right? But but what do you like? What do you really like? If you had your way, what would make you feel energized, feel good about yourself, feel like you had a delicious meal and help you feel most importantly satisfied? Because you know, I talk about this all the time, so much more important satiety versus fullness because we want to feel satisfied. We don't want to walk around feeling stuffed and lethargic all the time, right? Especially going into the summer. Okay. I mean, that's, that's just, that's just a fact. All right, guys, let us get into the episode. As always, your nutrition questions, please, please, please send them to me at Jacqueline London RD. And I can't wait to hear from you. If I'm being honest, Kelly, where I really want to start is Wegmans because we got a lot of New Yorkers listening to this podcast. I personally feel like my life changed upon the discovery of Wegmans. And a fun fact is that I've never been to the store. It's only my experience of scrolling online with via Instacart. I have been to the store. I have been to the store. I haven't been to the store to like do a full shop, which is really sort of insane. Also, only a dietitian would go to the store to just like look around and then <laughs> and then be like, oh, I have somewhere else to, I have other things to do today. I just, but I need to see this supermarket. Tell us about Wegmans and tell us about your experience at Wegmans working as a retail dietitian. Okay. So it's funny because I was raised in central New York. So we didn't know anything but Wegmans. Amazing. It wasn't until I went to school at West Virginia University that I went into a different store. I'm not going to say what it is, but I was like, oh, Oh, <laughs> supermarket. I, I, I was like, where's the fresh produce? Where's like, you know, so I guess we were so 
amazingly fortunate to be raised with Wegmans kind of all around us. And it is a destination now, and it is someplace that has fresh fruits and vegetables. And I don't know if you know this, but it actually started as a fresh fruit and vegetable stand in Rochester, New York. Yes, that's how Wegmans started. It makes me like them even more. I know. So that basis (laughs) comes from that real food message. And, you know, it was just an amazing experience. So I was working in bariatrics and I got the call from the Syracuse Dietetic Internship Director. And she said, Hey Kelly, someone has just reached out to me. Um, I'm not going to tell you the organization, but they are looking for a dietitian just like you. And can I put your name into the hat? And I was like, I'm like, sure. Her name is Debbie. So I was like, Debbie, like, that's awesome. Thank you so much. So Wegmans, Jane Andrew calls me directly. And I was like, Oh my God. And I remember like, it was so crazy. And I went to that night dinosaur barbecue. My husband was like there with his friends and we're like, we're going to work for Wegmans. So the job wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. Let's just put that out there. Okay, good. Love it. Love it. Tell us why. So if I had been under Jane Andrews and Mm. under the dietitians, and if we had worked together as a team, it would have been a different experience. What happened was my boss was not a dietitian. She was in the Syracuse market and didn't really get what we were trying to achieve. Mm. Plus... I wasn't hired for the consumers. I was hired for the employees. Right. <laughs> that come out of my Very mouth. different yeah. than very what different. I thought it would be. And I was very stifled. So mm. I kept coming up with like new things to do or let's do a dietitian in the aisle or all these things. And all of my ideas, because I was under this different leadership, were kiboshed. Oh. So... I basically stood behind a sample desk in nine different stores, eight hours a day. I did what a monkey could do. Basically, I wasn't (laughs) able to actually share nutrition information or really be effective. However, if that job had been incredible, I would still be there and not doing what I am today. So I thank Wegmans because it showed me worksite wellness. It Mm. showed me how we can make a difference in biometric screenings, people knowing their numbers. So that really changed everything. Plus I got to do all of these kind of cool experiences where I went um, to the shopping for health. Um, Nancy puts it together. It's all retail dietitians together. And that's where I got to meet Erica Bliss Patini, number something from kind number six, I think um, employee from kind. I got to get on TV because of that. I got to start that whole relationship. So it was my jumping off moment because I got to see that you could do all these things in nutrition that I didn't even know were available to us. Right. So I credit Wegmans for all of that. I really do. Wow. That is, it's exactly the kind of doors you hope that Wegmans is going to open. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about like the transition from bariatrics to Wegmans. Well, I really really feel it. And I take a lot of interns because I try to let them know that each job I've had has made me who I am today as a dietitian. So I started in clinical at Auburn Memorial Hospital, pushing tray cards and doing all that and passing menus. So I actually started from that, that ground zero at like 16 years old. And then I've moved into long-term care facilities and working in bariatrics and then into Wegman. So each experience gave me more knowledge mm. into how we work and interact with patients. How do we work? Like I, my work at Cornell Cooperative Extension taught me about networking. Bariatrics taught me about vitamin deficiencies and sub deficiencies. Yeah. My work at Wegmans taught me about what you could do with food products and TV and employee wellness. So mm. see how kind of yeah. each part of my journey has come together in this really cool way that now I can do so many things in nutrition. So we at Calistrus, we actually have, I don't know if you know, but we have three different verticals. So we have private practice where we can do that and already kind of services of reviewing menus and um, site reviews of long-term care facilities. But then we also have a worksite wellness arm and a media arm. Amazing. 
Amazing. So I'm able to mix up my days and right. kind of pull from all of those past experiences into what I do today. So you were working in nutrition support specifically, or were you in bariatrics at the time? Or give us give us the whole kind of clinical trajectory. Bariatrics. Okay. So bariatrics was really cool for me because I really like people. I know that sounds weird. Oh, I know. (laughs) But I liked the fact that I got to start doing it like the info session. And then I got to see them prior to surgery and seeing them after Mm. surgery. And I believe in relationships. Yes. It's everything. It's everything. So I just spoke to Syracuse University, like a class yesterday, and I was really emphasizing these relationships. Mm. And it's, it's now like relationships with food companies or relationships with work sites or relationships with that private practice. And through bariatrics, I got to know the person, you know, who do they live with and right. what's going on in their life? What stressor may they have or what happened that led them to where they are today and actually getting to know them. And then we could make some real work and real changes in the way of nutrition right. and also working as part of a care team. So yeah. looking with like a doctor, right? Yes. That's something I'm trying to establish in private practice right now. So I was on yesterday with a whole group of um, GI doctors. Yeah. And they said, you know, Kelly, can we give you our cell phone numbers? You can reach out to us. And I was like, please, like, I want to have this really tight network with our medical services, right? So I don't want to be out here in left field just recommending things. I want to be a part of that care team. Right. Because then you're working on your own island and you're just talking about food, but really it's not just about food when you're on, when you're in any kind of interdisciplinary setting, like you need to know what are the meds, what's the timing, what else is going on in this person's medical history, the whole thing, but also not to your point, not just Medicine. It's also about who do you live with? What else is happening at home? Where do you live? What, how many stairs do you have? I mean, there's just like so many different questions that factor into any type of um, nutrition care plan or any type of recommendation that you would give that I feel like, and back to retail, not to make it all about retail, but (laughs) but also how are you even getting your groceries, right? Like that's such a huge thing for people that I think gets lost when you're sort of on your own Island operating in isolation. It does. And still, I was explaining to them that I still can't get lab work in right. New York state. Right. I cannot get lab work. What's up so with I that? said, if I'm ever asking for something, it's not because I'm trying to be annoying or I'm trying to be a doctor. I'm right. not. Right. But I truly can't do my job. Right. Unless I have the facts. I know. So I was explaining this to my husband as we're walking to dinner last night and he's actually a doctor. And I said, you know, if there's something going on in the GI, like if there's SIBO happening, yeah. no matter what nutrition I do is not going to fix that problem. Nothing. You can't do anything. Right. I, do you see what I mean? <laughs> oh. So this is where the frustration kind of comes in. It's like, okay, I can't do my job if I don't know if this is what's happening. So that's right. what I'm trying. I'm trying to get more of a care team established with these physicians. Not to take us too far off topic, but what is the deal with this lab work thing in New York state? Uh, Because it's driving me out of my mind. (laughs) Driving me out of my mind. And if I ask for the lab work, sometimes the physicians get so angry, which I don't know. I don't really know why the anger comes in, but they deny me the lab work. Is there any rationale provided behind that or? or? Yes. I did have a patient who was a medical biller and she said that they have to prove that there is a reason for it. But I think the dietitian asking should be enough reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she did explain that. And just so you know, to get a vitamin D, it actually says in the verbiage, Mm -hmm. you have to have a low vitamin D to get a vitamin D test. Now, Think oh about my God. That. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How does that work? So you have to guess. How does that so work? So you just have to guess. Or you have to be like, listen, I've been inside for the last <laughs> couple <of> weeks. <laughs> or you're like, I've never, what is fish? I've never seen a salmon before. Like there's just gotta be like, you can But you can't make this stuff up. And that's where I'm trying to see how we navigate this 
you know, insurance world and lab work world. And so I was at our New York State Dietetic Association meeting this past weekend, and I met a man. He's actually putting together some labs down at Cornell where we can do a blood test with like one finger prick. Mm. And I said, you know how helpful this would be to me? Even if you just gave me vitamin D, at least it's one of my questions answered, right? It's one pain point that would be solved, but also it's a huge one. Uh, honestly, a nutrient for a dietitian just feels a little bit like that's got to be a layup. Just one. <laughs> Glucose? I would take that. I'm not trying to push it. I'm not trying to push it. I, no, I know. I'm in the same boat. So this is where I'm like, and so it was good. It was well received with the physicians yesterday. And they said, anything you need. And that's where actually amazing that they said, we'll give yeah. you our cell phones to reach out to us. So that was great. That was great. I feel positive over that, you know? That's huge because I'm not even going to take us too far down this hole because I feel like your experience is so much more than this, but there is so much to be learned about the whole world of insurance and medical billing and the fact Mm. that we are sort of adjacent, but not deeply in it, but we are in it. Can you give our listeners, and certainly through the lens of your current private practice, what does it mean to take insurance as a dietitian versus to not take insurance? Okay. This is a great conversation. And I don't think it is taking us down a rabbit hole because I think it needs to be discussed. It really does. Thank you. It does need to be discussed. So I think this is a worthwhile conversation. So when I first started private practice, what, 12, 15 years ago, I somehow got in touch with a dietitian out of Texas. Mm. And she said, Kelly, don't ever take insurance for as long as you can because- Everyone says this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It will bankrupt your entire practice. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. So in 2021, we really focused hard in becoming providers with these insurance companies. And just yesterday, Mm -hmm. we went through with our medical biller who is well-versed in insurance. And I got to say, I have a piece of paper right here in front of me Mm. for a lady that has about 10 different claims. We got a different reimbursement every time. Just as a patient, I'm still waiting on things from 2020. It's like just an unbelievable black hole. It is a black hole and it is very insane, but you can't run a business this way. And this is what I was telling her yesterday. I said, I can't run a business with a huge question mark behind every single patient. Exactly. And so I don't know what I am working really diligently and hard with our local Blue Cross and Blue Shield, but it is such a bear. And today we just wrote them our provider link and we said, hey, these people are being told they have no nutrition coverage. Doesn't the Affordable Care Act cover anyone? Don't we have coverage? Where is the disconnect or what is going on? And how does someone still in 2022 not have medical nutrition therapy coverage? Thank you. This is just craziness. So we worked for eight years with super bills where they can submit to insurance Mm. and we may be going backwards. We may be pedaling backwards and going that direction again, because I cannot sustain dietitians and working. We have 18 dietitians that are out there doing different work. I'm paying them, paying a scheduler, paying a biller, and I have no idea what I'm going to get paid or when. Right. This is not how a business can function. Not in 2022. I mean, maybe in, I don't know when this would be functional, but it's not functional now. It's just a completely broken system for the provider and for the patient, because if they can't like, imagine, you know, I mean, that just speaks to so many larger issues, but imagine you're told medical nutrition therapy is not covered, but you must have a drug in order to live. Like you're taking the drug. I mean, (laughs) it's not going to be like, oh, you know, I guess I'll just throw money at medical nutrition therapy without even the real context and substance to back it up. And then, I mean, when you have to make choices like that, it just feels like such an unbelievable you, caveat. You're right. And like, we're working with this guy, his name's Ken, one of my patients can say his first name. He started seeing me in February of this year. Mm. He has had multiple visits. If his claim gets denied, he's going to owe right. 
$1,500. How, if if we just took it, you know, one chunk at a time and did payment as we go. So do you see, it's like, like, you're right. It's bad for the provider, but it's also bad on the flip side. It's horrendous. It is not. So I'm glad that you brought it up because it really is a major pain point in our organization right now. And I don't know how to fix it. Mm. I'm not sure, but we may be pedaling backwards and going back the way that we were operating before. And yes, we may have less patience, but at least is a known of when we're going to get paid, how we're going to get paid Right. because I can't work this way. You know, it's also interesting because I mean, now that I'm thinking about it in some ways, it can also work out so much better for patients too, who may have like a wellness stipend or something that is provided by way of their workplace that isn't related to their insurance coverage that might actually just fit much better with that spend. You know what I mean? Like it just might work out so much better. I feel like it's insane. Right. And you can use your health savings plan towards this. Like you can use your HSA towards these costs. So I think we may be going back in that direction if we can't figure this out like in the next month or two, Mm -hmm. because this is totally depleting us in every way. I gave it a full year to see like how we can figure it out, you know, hiring some good people. And it's still, it's not working out. It's just... It's just not. So I'm really glad you did bring it up. It is, I think it's something we need to talk about. And I do see, this is my thing too. I think if we work together as dietitians and we had more support from leadership. Oh my God, Kelly. Yes. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Where's our leadership for crying out loud? Where is our leadership? Where are you guys? Where is our leadership? (laughs) What are you guys doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So that's why I'm trying to bind like dietitians together. So we have more of a voice. So it's not Kelly Springer going to Blue Cross and Blue Shield. It's this group. And if we could bind together more and if we could help each other more, we would have a stronger voice. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. So on that note, okay, to bring us to a more positive place, let's discuss. I feel like you could not be saying anything more prescient, meaningful. I'm so there with you. I really feel like this, the culture of divisiveness, which it's not necessarily, you know, one thing in dietetics, but because of the way that algorithms work, social media marketing works, any type of marketing is that you got to double down on your niche, so to speak, and really sell, sell, sell on whatever it is that is your brand building technique routine, especially outside of dietetics with like fad diets and, and all of this like garbage that we see out there, like the ketos of the world and the whole thirties of the world is like, you've got to stay in your sort of zone and grow by building your unique community. And all this does is divide without moving us forward. There's no, there's no divide and conquer. It's just divide (laughs) and then sort of try to eat one another. Right. So I wonder if you can speak to, first of all, in reading up on you, I read this amazing thing that you said that you sort of made this analogy about how it can be so often the way that people in a family will argue about religion. Or I would say in some ways, like it's a little bit like arguing about politics, right? It's like you, you've just kind of like gotten into your own zone and now you're just going to bat for that kind of zone. And that's helping with your growth, but it's not necessarily doing something that's moving everyone forward or for the sake of your own health, well-being, and your families, right? Let's start there. Tell us about that. So are you stating this in the way of dietitians or in the way of our clients? Let's say both. Let's do both. Let's start with clients and then let's go to dietitians. Okay. So in the way of clients, I am running this business, but I'm still on the ground level. I'm still seeing private practice people. Right. And I do believe that, I think that kind of makes me a little bit different because I do media and I do all that. I'm on the ground force. Mm. I get to see those patients' light bulbs turn on. Last night, for instance, so the lady you're talking about, you know, how it's religion. So she came into me, her husband actually brought her in um, and it was virtual. Mm. And uh, she typed a diabetic, didn't want to make changes. The first session, she's grumpy, right? She's just like, you're a dietitian. I don't want to do it, right? That's the real religion. Like, this is what I know about this. And I feel in life that, fear plays in, right? So So she was fearful that I was going to take away her Oreos. She was, she was, (laughs) 
And I told her on the first visit, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. It's not about taking me the Oreos. It's teaching you education to move you forward. So when we learn about religion, when we learn about other things that are out there, our fear is relieved. So I got to go to India with Syracuse University and go into temples and all these things and learn about religion. I got to learn about the food and the culture. And my fear was brought down. And the same goes with nutrition. Mm. We have to educate in a way that brings down the fear, that brings people, like wherever they are in nutrition, we are there with them. And any small changes that they can make are applauded. And last night we were on our fifth visit and she said to me, Kelly, it finally clicked. I can now look at an Oreo and realize that that food is not doing any good for me. Mm. I can look at the blueberries and think that it is, but now she has the knowledge to make that informed decision. Yes. That's That's what it's all about. It's just about the informed decision. And that's what we're doing. We are educating in a way that's not a handout. Mm. And this is, this is what now we're going to go to dietitians. Yes. What I find with dietitians, I'm going to start my own private practice. I'm going to be great. And then they have no materials. They have no strategic way of educating these people. They're handing out a handout because that's what they did in clinical. Right. The old clinical way. Here's your card. And they are doing (laughs) our entire profession a disservice. I know. You need to have a plan in place of how you're going to take these people through this education journey, Mm. have goal setting, have ways you're going to work with them because truly we can't just all just open private practice. Like it's just, right. You got to have some type of plan in place. And, you know, speaking with the dietitians, I was speaking to a, a college group last night and I said, I want you to think differently. So I told them, think about one practice or or that GI group that I spoke to yesterday. They have at least 14 physicians that work there. By me getting us into that practice, I'm able to get enough private practice referrals to feed five dietitians. It's amazing. One of our dietitians recently, she's new. And we have this referral sheet and she said, well, I'm not credentialed yet. So I'm not going to get it out yet because why would I go to those doctor's offices if I'm not seeing the people yet? This is the mentality. I go, I'm going to go crazy. Mm. The fact if she got us in, let's say she gets us into group A orthopedic group, right? that group would feed enough dietitians to support probably 10 RDs if they're referring the right way, right? Yes. If they're referring. Okay. So this is where this weird mentality that if I'm not going to take it all myself and my whole business is based on giving it away, right? My whole business is based on giving it away. <laughs> <laughs> so these the enjoy my practice and they want to keep it all to themselves. And I'm like, Wait a minute. You came into Kelly's choice to be a part of a group. Right. We've got to change this mentality. It's also, I also feel like, like, what are you doing? Like, maybe you're in the wrong field. Like, I... (laughs) I say that tongue in cheek because obviously that may or may not be true. That concept of this, it's almost like scarcity. Like, so whatever is there, we got to keep it close and we can't give it away. And I really feel like if I got to point a finger, I'm pointing that at leadership for us (laughs) because I think that plays a huge role. But I also think there's this other kind of subtle nuance to it, which is A, we're an almost entirely female profession. So we're not universally taught to go get them, right? And then therefore have that confidence building that's built into going out there and getting new business opportunities that then helps you feel that much more confident just giving it away, right? Like that kind of like reinforces that and makes it and incentivizes it. But there's also just the idea that in order to move the profession forward, there's only upside. There's no upside if you're you're just keeping it hidden. 
Well, and the thing is too, so my specialty is weight loss and type 2 diabetes. That's my Mm. specialty. That's where I thrive, right? So when I get this GI practice onboarded, Mm. I don't want to see Crohn's and colitis. I send that to Sherry. Or I don't want to see, you know, cardiovascular. I send it to Jen or eating disorders. I send it to Rebecca. So that's where when we bind together, then our specialty and what we're really good at can shine. Thousand percent. You're totally right. And actually, now that I'm saying it, I wonder if maybe I feel like a good therapist would do the exact same thing, right? There's not one therapist for everyone, just in the same way there's not one dietitian for everyone. It's okay to say, I am maybe not the right practitioner for this person. I feel like I've said that plenty of times in my career. I can't, I feel like I say that probably once a day. I don't know where right. that became the thing that we can't say out loud and therefore have the resources to then say, let me refer to you to my friend and colleague who's also really great at speaking to people with Crohn's, for example. Exactly. And so in your, no one, no dietitian is an expert on every single thing that's happening with the human body. So (laughs) let's just throw that out there. And believe me, I'm always educating myself. I'm a true, you know, student. I love learning and I always want to learn. And even if it's something that I'm not going to, you know, really utilize, it comes in in presentations and I feel comfortable, you know, speaking on different topics, but I am not an expert. I am not an expert in kidneys. Okay. Mm. Like that's not my wheelhouse. Very challenging by the way, listeners, very challenging. (laughs) Renal dietitian. It's a hard job. It's just something I don't want to do, but we have some experts in that. So why wouldn't we let, you know, like bind together and actually have a really great practice and then you can get better reimbursement. We -hmm. can start to work together. You know, we can cover these people better and really raise our whole, you know, credibility. Yes. Medical professionals, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, I really have felt this more and more recently, particularly through the pandemic of seeing, you know, of just like sort of the larger conversation around what does it mean to be a credible expert? And in about 98% of situations of seeing someone speak about something, I think like, I really believe at least my experience with my training, like that there are so many things that dietitians are actually prepared to speak about and the application of research and practice and the constantly evolving nature of research findings and what it actually means when it when it has to be applied is a huge part of the entire practice that we're trained in. And there's such a wide range of opportunities, but there's no one helping us say, hey, this group, but that's good because it means it's an opportunity for us to be able to do that for ourselves and for our colleagues. Right. But I have seen over the couple of years, I've seen dietitians take spokesperson work that they're not well versed in. Yes. I've seen it two specific yes. times now. And believe me, when I started Kelly's Choice, I was going through divorce. I was broke. I would have taken anything. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I get it. We like, gotta I get, get it. it. Yes. I'm 100%. not, I'm not blaming anyone. Right. However, right. it does show. Yes. That and so if we really could, you know, speak on our, what we're really well-versed in and passionate about that shines through. And when we don't really know about that, whatever that is, mm. that comes out. It comes out so badly. It comes out. It so does. Badly. I, by the way, to the point that you're making here, <laughs> I'm not above that. I know when I don't. <laughs> It is, it is a different person. Like if I am forced to watch myself doing something, like where I was doing something on care and I don't believe it at all. I, it is so obvious that I'm just like, please, no one make me do this again. Or I'm like, see, (laughs) told you I couldn't speak to that because I I don't, I'm not buying what I'm supposed to be selling. You know, like I I had plenty of experiences with that, but like, we got to be able to say that, like, we got to be able to say it's not for me. But I totally also understand when you're trying to make money, you got to take some stuff that comes. I have been there. 
Right. I have done it. I have been there. And I guess I'm just seeing it more clearly now when yeah. I actually get to witness it with somebody else. Right. I'm seeing it. So right. I think that if, you know, and I don't know where we're going with that conversation, but I think <laughs> that my whole point was if we could work together, then we could raise some people up that yes. should speak about that topic. Yes. And we don't, you know, and we could all benefit from that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, can we discuss you starting your own business in the middle of a divorce? <laughs> Let's go back to you started Kelly's Choice while you're in the middle of a divorce with tiny children. They were uh, really, yeah, they were really tiny. The whole thing was insane. So I realized I needed to get divorced when the girls were one and three. Okay, oh. I hadn't finished my RD. I had my undergrad nutrition and my master's in health education. Oh. I did my internship while working in bariatrics, one and three-year-old, did my Sodexo, a distance internship. I don't remember two years of my life. <laughs> two years of my life. So after finishing that, getting the RD, worked at Wegmans. And so while at Wegmans, I honestly was really bored. Yeah. I was. Because yeah. I just... So... And I was broke. (laughs) Bored and broke is a terrible combo. Okay, so I'm I'm bored and broke. And I had to like go. Okay. So this is where I started scrambling. So I started working with the colleges and working with worksite wellness and and doing private practice. And I was driving to Baltimore to work with inside lacrosse. And there was multiple years I put fifty thousand miles on my car per year. I was like, I'm going, I'm going. She was I'm all going. over the country, folks. She was in all every state. That girl needed to get out of crazy debt, support yeah. her children and do it, right? Yeah. So I was able to leave my marriage when the girls were five and three with that RD and with that stable job. But it wasn't truly until I met my now husband. Mm. And I gotta say, it's kind of emotional because the it's moment amazing. he moved in with us, was when I could leave Wegmans and start Kelly's Choice. Oh, that's amazing. So he and I have been, for the past 11 years, we've been each other's rocks. And we have supported each other. Sometimes I make more, sometimes he makes more. And we have gone ebb and flow over 11 years. And even last night, I'm on the couch. And because of this insurance billing stuff, I said, can you help me? (laughs) (laughs) And he's looking at me and he's like, yes, I will help it. But I'm like, I, you know, it's interesting of how Kelly Choice started in that relationship started to blossom. And because of the support in my own home, I was able to kind of do what I'm doing now. And I just want to bring that up because I, I think we don't talk about each other's personal lives and things like that, but it really was supportive and he believed in me and believed in what we were doing and why we were doing it. And through those years, I've been able to bring my daughters along like this whole journey with me. And I've been able to bring them to Good Morning America. And I was able to bring them to the big lacrosse tournaments and see me speak. And just recently, I got to bring my almost 17-year-old to my entrepreneur group in Atlanta Amazing. Her to see me speak in front of entrepreneurs. And now she's going to be a dietitian herself. She's going to go to college for nutrition. I know. Oh, it just gave me the chills. That really just gave me the chills. Yes. Yes. So it's a bigger story. And like, how did this start? Right. How did it start? So Cindy DeBold, I got to say your name, was sitting next to me in the admin offices at Wegmans. And she goes, Kelly, you have something here. And I go, Cindy, I have a dollar and a dream. <laughs> I and I got, and I got samples. I got samples. Anyone want cannoli dip? <laughs> what? She's like, this is a missing niche. Yeah. Community nutrition in the way of work sites, private practice, and also educating through media. Yeah. You have something here. And Cindy has been with me as my mentor all the way through. Mm-hmm. And I had all these cool people kind of come in and say, you can do this. You can do this. And so it was amazing, but it kind of started as every ball was in the air. I mean, I was doing sports nutrition and worksite wellness, and I was just throwing up like Mm -hmm. boom, 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 boom. And, you know, it's kind of now all gelled together. So we're 
going into this year is our 10th year. October will be 10 years in business. And now all the lines of business are actually like an infinity circle. They're intermeshing. So what I mean by that is our private practice can actually go into worksite wellness and we can support those employees through that medical nutrition therapy. And then through our food companies, we can actually give presentations to work sites. So for instance, we had an amazing, her name's Marie. She owns Tomato Bliss. She Mm. gave us an amazing presentation on regenerative farming to our work sites. And then our dietitians can do an affiliate program with that and support Tomato Bliss. Which is huge. Oh my gosh. Yes. See how it's like, So for the first time ever, it's all gelling and we're able to educate on such a high level now, like to bring in Marie who started a regenerative farm, like, which is unbelievable just in and of itself. Exactly. (laughs) And so being able to say like what that is and how that works and, you know, and understanding that piece and be able to go out to Michigan and be on the farm and to see it and then give that education back. Mm. I mean, it's just a really cool time. So is it easy? No, it's actually the hardest it's ever been right now in this moment. I'm struggling more right now than I have in the nine years of this company because of, yeah. How so? Okay. Tell me how so. So because of growth comes chaos. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so finding the right people to come in and establish this. Also, like I said, I'm busy. I'm doing private practice, sales calls, whatever. And so trying to micromanage or trying to even manage people that are working under you. We had a medical biller quit last night. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We can't have that, Kelly. He can't be. We had wacky stuff happen this entire year. So this is where it looks really pretty from the outside and people Mm. like come up to me like, oh my gosh, Kelly, like you're doing so well. Mm. And I am like, I'm very happy. I have a stable relationship, great kids. I love what I do. Those are all true, but business is hard. It's chaos. And it also is like, there's some degree where you're like, how much of this should be always chaos? (laughs) And then to what level is it like, this can only be sometimes chaos. You know what I mean? It's hard. And so we're trying to grow something like we're, and I say we, cause it's a team. Like we're trying to really show outcomes and show like all these things. Right. right. And then you go, you think to yourself, is it worth it? I could just go back and do what I was doing and make a lot more money right. and be very comfortable. Like, so am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? And then I get the, like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Like every message says, yes, you are. Right. I'm telling you, I'm saying it firsthand. Like it is a struggle on a daily basis right now. It's hour to hour right now. (laughs) I mean, right. I want to know what it's like to not ask that question inside your head of like the, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? <laughs> I do feel like, like that question comes up. I'm like doing it hour. for others. Like everyone's, right. you know, the dietitians in their brain is like, oh, you're making money. I'm telling you, I haven't taken a paycheck from Kelly's choice in a year. Right. A year, not right. one dime. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's the thing about starting your own shop yeah. is that that's, and, and I feel like the fact that that's not more out in the open is also a problem. You know what I like? Because yeah. you just mentioned this before about how you're like, I think it probably looks pretty good from the outside, which it doesn't yep. look great, but like, I totally get that and relate to it, which is that ultimately that's because we're not talking about the fact that mm-hmm. in order to do this, you do need certain things. You do need the support at home. Like you do, there's other things that have to sort of be in place in order to get anything even just done in a day. Like I think about that, especially in the last couple of months for me with a move. And then also <laughs> Kelly had the luxury of hearing some drilling here, but like even on a very small scale, right? Like there's so many different levels of that. Obviously it ranges so dramatically from the very mundane and the the kind of like shit that pops up on any given day basis, hourly basis. But then there's other things that are massive and huge and life-changing and the not the lack of like okay, yeah, like we are all in this, but you know, there's moments where we're also like, I can't take a paycheck because I'm trying to get this business like 
to really blow up now feels right. like. And the thing is like, I'm trying to feed all the dietitians. Right. And so when I hear, oh, I'm not going to put that out because that's not serving me. I would lose is- my mind. <laughs> I actually could see, it feels like with my brain would blow up outside of my head, you know? <laughs> so I, Whoa. you know, and it's hard not to get emotional and to, to really, you know, feel that and yeah. to be more of a business person, you know, to be more at that level where you're like, right. okay. But I got to say like watching some of the shows I'm watching lately and looking at business and looking, cause there's a lot of mm. right, the documentaries out there about yeah. like Elizabeth and what yeah. business is hard. I know she probably, you know, whatever, there's a bunch of those, but it is tough. It is. Okay. This is what I want to ask you. What does it mean to turn down an opportunity for you? What is the last kind of experience that you had turning something down and how did it play out? And I, I ask you that because I think like in order for you to be in business for yourself as you are and, you know, doing what you're doing and trying to grow your business and trying to get that money, <laughs> there's also this component that's like, you have to say no to certain things. Can you give us like a good example of this? You don't have to name any, any yeah, specific Yeah. So things, I recently, but... it's interesting because with food companies, I am working with a lot of them and I now have some criteria. And one of them is I cannot represent artificial sweeteners. Mm. I can't, mm. I just, I can't do it. I really think it's causing more havoc to our bodies than we think it is. I think there needs to be more research, Mm. but that was one of my things that I finally was like concrete on and said, no. And then also I'm looking at that higher level. Now I'm working with a biochemist. She's actually a physiologist from Syracuse Mm. university. So for the first time ever, if there's ever a product that's in question, I'm giving it to her. I'm yes. saying, how does it break down in the body? What's the education behind it? Yeah. So I'm paying her to make sure, first of all, what I'm saying is based in science. I'm making sure. Yeah. And I can say, no, I can say, no, like this isn't really where the direction I want to go in. You it's know? so good to hear. I love that you said that because I think it also is back to our earlier discussion about the scarcity kind of mentality because I have always struggled with saying no and I still struggle. I mean, even more now, Mm -hmm. but now being in business on your own means that you're the only person (laughs) who can say yes or no. Whereas in past jobs, it's been, at least I could, you know, kind of bring it back or say, well, okay, what do we all think about this? Or you have this kind of like more of a group weigh in and I would complain about it. Like there's pros and cons of that, obviously, but like, there's also the putting a a sort of stake in the ground and saying, I'm just not going to do this because it just doesn't align. And I don't feel great about it. It sounds really simple, but it's so hard to do. Well, we had another thing happen too, that I think sometimes food companies want to pigeonhole you. Yes. And that yes. if you're going to represent this, you can't represent that. So that yes. did happen to me in this past year. And I said to this person, I'm a dietitian that sees all different types of people right, from all walks of life, from all ethnicities. Right. And right. I will not be pigeonholed in that. And it dropped a huge contract for me. Wow. Yes. Good for you though. It, it did. And I said, no, I said, I cannot be pigeonholed. Our tagline is real people promoting real food. And it's Love all it. real food. It is not one sector. And if we get into as dietitians getting into that realm, I think that's a very dangerous place to go. So yeah, that did just happen in this past year. Wow. What was that like? Like, what was it? So you were like, I'm not going to stop doing this. Stop pigeonholing me. I I told the person you've known me. She has known me for 10 years. Mm. She's also a registered dietitian. And I said, you know that I represent all different types of real food. Right. And I will not stop doing that because my job is to educate wherever someone is, like we talked, it's kind of goes full circle. It's a Seinfeld episode right now. (laughs) We started this by saying education and that's what I do. I educate. So if there is a product that needs education and it doesn't fit into their bucket and I can't be a spokesperson because of that product, then we're not the right fit. Totally agree. Totally agree. 
That's beautiful. That's a perfect way of saying it too. And I love that you stuck with it and you were like, no, I didn't no. come because I ultimately always feel like I didn't come this far to get just this far. You know, like it's, it's a little bit like, come on, like not on my mission, <laughs> right. right? It's not a part of my mission. My mission is to educate and wherever that education takes me. Right. You know, if I have a vegan, if I have a keto person, if right. intermittent faster, I've got to start with where they are. I can't right. say, no, that's the wrong thing to do. No, that's not going to get me anywhere. I need to educate where they are. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Is there a category of, let's say, food, commodity foods, commodity products, really, or an industry, a farming practice, a trend that you're seeing from, I don't know, Brazil. I, I don't know. I'm now I'm just making this up. Is mm-hmm. there something that you feel like is sort of like not getting enough love in nutrition besides some of the, or in food really, besides some of these ones that you've maybe worked with in the past or that you're interested in looking more into? I think that was an interesting question that you bring up. I'm mm. going to actually flip it on the opposite side. So I was at Natural Food Expo West mm. this past, just a few, a month ago. I was very disappointed that this new whole culture of plant-based oh God. is Frankenfoods. There's no food. Yeah. There's no, it's not real food. I don't even know what this is, right. but one of my dietitian friends, Sharon, she was there with me. She goes, Kelly, we're always going to have a job. Yeah. She goes, look at these ingredients, right. look at these ingredients. And so it's doing such a disservice to consumers And I don't know how we have these types of foods in our food supply. It Mm. was very, very concerning. I couldn't agree with that more. That's so well said and such a perfect answer. And also I feel like interestingly, anecdotally, I have also heard this from so many people, which is like, I went to Expo West and I didn't eat any real, I haven't seen a vegetable since. Like, (laughs) I just like don't understand. It's called natural products. It sounds Mm -hmm. like it's got the most beautiful health halo. Sounds like a wonderful thing. And you're Mm going to be like elevated on on some kind of lotus leaf and meditate out of there eating just crudite and loving it so much. No, this is just, it's frankenfood. It is like, it's really, it's gone off the deep end. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, okay, before I let you go, because I know I have, must, I must, even though I could talk to you probably for forever, <laughs> but I must ask you one major question, which is I caught a post on Instagram of spirits and dessert pairings. I just need you to give us some pro tips on that. Spirit and dessert pairing? That sounds like like my definition of heaven. Absolutely. So I am a dietitian. I don't know how people are going to take this, if it's good or bad. I have red wine every day. Same. I sometimes have white wine. Sometimes I have a little rosé. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I love tequila. I, right. I love tequila. Sometimes it's a mess but now. Yeah. This is something that people always ask me. They're very surprised to hear that. Mm. And it is, I got to say, I love my red wine almost as my dessert. A thousand percent. And it just works for me. It's one of those things. And what I find is when people don't have that, they tend to go more towards a sugar Mm. dessert. Mm -hmm. But I think pairing that red wine with some dark chocolate, I mean, it's just the perfect combination. It's just the perfect combination. So we always have wine in our house and we always have dark chocolate. And it's just, I think those two in combination are still giving you you know, that ethanol really can bring down blood pressure and the antioxidants in the dark chocolate. So you still can have a nutrition message around it. Again, it always goes back to moderation, including moderation. Right. It does. Yes. And so that's where I love working with clients because I'm like, no, we're good. We're good. We just got to work on like bringing in balance. And they're right. like, okay. Right. Or that, um, that even the concept of moderation is like, it's so elusive to people until there's that moment of realizing, oh, this is what my moderation looks like. Right. Because I think that was what was missing from the initial (laughs) message about it is that there's this elusive place that you go called moderation. It's like the state of moderate. It's like there, what does that mean? That's not a real thing in in like this, like generic sense. It's only a real thing for you. I'm glad you're because ta- so I say to my patients all the time, you know this word that dietitians use, know this word that dietitians use, mm-hmm. like moderation, fruits and vegetables, strive right. for five. Like there's right. all of these messages, pre and probiotics. So my job, what I feel is I break down all of those terms. Right. This is what I'm actually saying. And then they're like, right. oh. Right. So 
it's funny that we say things and we just like say them hundred percent. Yeah. I think that needs to be broken down into a level where is actually when the person that goes, Oh, then, you know, you've explained it the correct way. That was the perfect expression to just, to sum it all up. That was exactly it. Can we hear it again, Kelly? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's it. That's what it is. That's it. That's the light bulb turning on, right? That's the moment. But we keep throwing out all of these sayings or words or phrases and they're not hitting home. People are not understanding what we're saying. Right. Right. And it's because it's like divorced from the application of like the sitting down and being like, what are you doing when you're making decisions? It's that's the missing, it's the missing piece. It's your real life. That's the missing piece. Right. Okay. So it is time for our last question. This is my favorite question. And, and it's also the hardest one, but let's just say tomorrow you're leaving for a space mission because Mm -hmm. I think last day it's just, it's just kind of grim. Let's keep it light. You're going to space. You're coming back. You'll be back, but like you're going to space tomorrow. So you got to have your favorite, your most delicious meal. It can be a day of eating. It can be a crawl. It can be different places for different things. You can go around the world in this mythical setting. What Mm -hmm. are we having? What are we eating? What's on the menu? Well, I, since a little kid, and I don't know why this is, I love seafood. I love seafood. I could eat seafood every day, all day. I actually, when I worked for Wegmans, I said to the fish guys, I was like, am I going to (laughs) die? Just level with me. Can someone just tell me, am I going to die or what? Right. So I always tell my patients when we talk about mega three levels, and I said, I am the only person in this world that never has to take an omega three supplement. So I love seafood. I love shrimp and scallops and clams and salmon. I mean, I really love seafood. And so I don't know if that would be a good thing to take to space, maybe in the way of it's tuna hard. fish. Tuna fish. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you pack it up, maybe a can of sardines in there. Just mix it up. There Get we that go. vitamin D. So you wouldn't have to I test for it. That is one of those things that I really like. So I wish like on a deserted island, if there was seafood around me, right. Or mm. up in, I really love it. And I am grateful. And I do have to say this. I love vegetables. I do. Mm. I actually love vegetables and I give it to my mom who made me eat them. And now I have done the same with my children, but it does take, and everyone that has little kids two bite rule, you got to do it. And there'll be the other criteria that people say, no, that's causing all these issues, (laughs) whatever. I am a mom. I have teenagers that now eat everything and I, in, in the same way. So you got to get them used to chewing it, used to that taste, used to that texture. And that two bite rule worked amazing. It truly worked amazing. And I would bring seafood and vegetables. Those okay. Would be okay. All right. So you packed it up, but what are you, what's going, what are you having the night before we get it? We're definitely having red wine. Oh, well, my ultimate favorite, which I had last night Ooh. because we had a little date night. Oh, it's pizza. Yes. I'm sorry. It's pizza. And if you ask anyone in my family, including my kids, my husband, even outside people, they would tell you, if you ask anybody right now, what is Kelly's favorite food besides my seafood and vegetables? It's pizza. Is there a place? Like, is there a special, where where are you going for the pizza? The one last night had some hot honey on it. (gasps) Right? See? Where? Yeah. I live in Skinny Atlas, New York. If anyone's ever heard of Skinny Atlas. Okay. And I live right in the village. You can walk down the restaurants right across the street from Skinny Atlas Lake. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a little place called Gilda's and they make fire, you know, the the fire roasted pizzas. And we also had a beet salad. I mean, it was like such a nice night with some red wine. I'm literally drooling. I'm here. It was (laughs) like, wow, it it must be strong. I actually just had leftovers from it too, which was great. <laughs> the, um, the fact that it never even occurred to me that hot honey absolutely should be on pizza upsets oh, me, but I'm yes. extremely grateful to you for gifting me with that little piece of not. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Oh. I'm not done. I'm not done. Pizza with hot honey, maybe with a beautiful beet salad, maybe with some, I don't know, are we going Pinot Noir? Like, why are we going with a specific red on this. You know what? It was really funny. Cause I said to the server, just a good red. I didn't even specify. I don't know what I was drinking. <laughs> Isn't it funny? 
I have no idea. I was like, just give me a good red. Just give me something great. Just give me your favorite. What? Right? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Anything and I did that when we went to Italy. I actually did oh. that quite a bit. I was like, you know what? I am totally in your hands. I know you're going to give me something great. And so all through Italy, I didn't even know what I was drinking. I just was like, whatever you just think. Just with it. Kelly, thank you so much. This was so you much are fun. Welcome. I've loved this so much. Tell everyone, tell our listeners, where can people find you? Where can we learn more about Kelly's well, choice? We are trying desperately to hit that 10,000 marker on Instagram. So if anybody, love that. anybody, please could share it out. But it's Kelly's choice underscore nutrition is our handle on Instagram. And then you can go to kellyschoice.org to find out more information about our whole organization. So I greatly appreciate you having me on today. It was, we could talk for hours and hours. And I, I hope someone this. actually learned something from today's presentation. So. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London. If you enjoyed today's episode, please snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at JacquelineLondonRD to let me know your favorite takeaway from any part of the episode. If you're loving the show, if there's a topic you'd love to hear more about or a guest you'd love to listen to here, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You can scroll down on your podcast app to where it says ratings and reviews and rate this one five stars, of course, and share your feedback. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and start feeling more empowered and living better, one meal or snack at a time. Of course, be sure to follow On The Side wherever you get your podcasts to ensure you won't miss out on any episodes. And remember to check us out. Check out the Q&A deep dive on the On The Side YouTube channel. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Keep in mind that any advice provided on this podcast is based off of my clinical judgment and application of research and practice as a registered dietitian, and it should not take the place of medical advice from your own personal physician. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.